Hey, welcome back to the As You Are podcast. So we have pretty much wrapped up our fall worship night season, which has been incredible. We went to seven different campuses, TCU and Auburn for the first time this year. And we want to spend the next four weeks sharing the talks from our worship nights. So today you're going to hear from Caroline Young, who spoke at Alabama. Um, As Anna said earlier, my name is Caroline, and I actually had the um, honor and privilege of speaking at the very first As You Are Worship Night, which was in 2019 in Athens, Georgia. And my sister, as Anna said, um, was leading a Bible study, and she was like, my friends and I just really want to do a worship night. And their Bible study they had started um, you know, is not affiliated with a church in Athens or a campus ministry. She's like, we just really feel led that this is what God's asking us to do. Would you come speak at it? And I was like, for sure. I'm not a, a teacher or speaker. So let's just go ahead and get that out there. Um, I, I did work in high school and college ministry for five years, and I love hanging out with high school and college girls, uh, but I don't, I don't do this, you know, professionally. And what God has done with this ministry, I could honestly probably talk about that majority of the night because um, Anna mentioned we had already worked together previously and just the way that he aligned everything to come into place with Emily and Anna's involvement and as you are expanding in these Bible studies, um, reaching other campuses. Anyways, it's incredible. So feels very full circle to be here tonight with you guys. Um, I feel like a 20, 21, 22 year old girl, even though I'm 33 and not 21 or 22. So I feel like I could be sitting there instead of being up here. So just to get one thing out of the way, which I said this earlier, just because someone is standing up here with a microphone doesn't mean they have anything together. So do not get the misconception that just because I've been asked to speak tonight means that I have anything together. Uh, The only person that has anything together in this room tonight is Jesus. And we're going to talk a little bit about why it is that we try to convince ourselves that we do have it all together when we so obviously do not. And thank goodness uh, for that. And I, the message that I'm teaching on tonight, I desperately needed to hear when I was 19. And it's a even bigger full circle moment being in this room with you guys here tonight because I went to Alabama my freshman year in college, before I transferred to Georgia. I know it's a very sensitive subject. Um, My sophomore year and ended up doing four years at UGA. Um, But freshman year here did me in. Uh, I will not go into the details, but Rush did a number on me, like full stop. Um, I, I think by October, my freshman year at 19 at Alabama, was living in Tutwiler. And I was asking this question that we're talking about tonight of like, who am I? Who am I really? The first time Lainey ever asked me to teach at As You Are Worship Night, I told her yes. But as soon as we hung up the phone and same when Anna invited me to teach again tonight, I find myself asking that question of like, who am I? We so often let our circumstances define who we are. So right now, you're in college, which means you um, might be letting your identity be defined by being a student or choosing your major, uh, what sorority you are or are not in, uh, the relationship that you're in or the relationship that you want to be in, uh, your appearance, so what you look like, uh, what you see in the mirror, 
uh, as a sibling, as a um, sister, as a daughter. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. And we so often let our identity be significantly shaped by these external circumstances. And David Benner, this psychologist of a book, um, that uh, the author of a book called The Gift of Being Yourself, defines identity as who we experience ourselves to be, the I, if you will, that each of us carries within ourselves. And at this point in life, like I mentioned a second ago, you guys feel pressure to define yourselves by a lot of different external circumstances. So through your grades, uh, your successes or failures, um, I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. And what happens to our identity is when they are um, defined by these external circumstances is what happens when our circumstances change. So they are guaranteed to change at some point, our circumstances are. So when we experience failure or when we lose someone's favor, so when our mom and dad are, uh, is disappointed in us or if we get in like a massive fight with one of our best friends, if, one of a huge piece, if a huge piece of our identity is being someone's like go-to girl, what happens when you're in conflict with someone or when you become really burnt out in classes um, or you feel like changing your major and then all of a sudden you have no idea you know, who you identify as a student anymore. Um, and when things stop going the way that we want them to, or when we think they should go, the very foundation of our identity ends up being shaken and altered, which uh, then creates this very cyclical pattern where we start like hustling from one circumstance to the other. So you think like, okay, if this isn't going to work out for me, if I'm not going to be, you know, so-and-so's girlfriend or whatever it may be, or I'm not going to be like president of my sorority or whatever it is that you wanted it to like fill your cup, you just start hustling to the next thing and think like, okay, well then I'm going to go do this instead. I'm going to go start leading Young Life or I'm going to get super plugged into crew or I'm going to join this Bible study. And you just start like grasping at all these straws for your identity to be defined by something. And we get caught in this terrible cycle of running from one circumstance to the another. And there is a truth tonight. If you, if you don't walk away with anything else, like if you don't remember anything else from tonight, this is the thing I want you to remember. A stable sense of self, so like that identity who we're experiencing ourselves to be, cannot fully exist when we place our identity in external things. So even if you're like, Caroline, I get it, that's all like good and fine, but I love being a coyote and I'm living my best life in college. And I want my identity to be in those things. And I'm finding like fulfillment in that. And I love my friends and you know, all these things. Well, then what happens when you graduate and you've put like your identity in this like college experience of like four years of being this girl that you've like very carefully constructed? Our, a stable sense of self cannot fully exist when we place our identity in external things. When circumstances change, our identity will constantly change also. And it may last for a while, but it's not guaranteed. So tonight I want us to consider what would happen when we think of ourselves, our identity, first and foremost, as a child of God. So when we think about who we are, the very first thing we would think of not like in a list of things, but the very first thing we would think of is that I am known, seen, and loved by God himself, and there is nothing that can change that. That is a narrative that has been written over my life in a truth that I get to choose and proclaim by knowing and loving Jesus. 
had a really good friend in high school who had a double name. Her name was Mary Harris. And she went off to college and decided that she was going to shorten it. Like she just didn't want the double name anymore. She was just going to go by Harris. So she goes off to college. She changes her name. She tells, you know, every, all these new friends she's meeting that she's going to go by Harris. And then her parents come for parents weekend and her mom starts hearing all these people referring to her as Harris, right? And she looks at her and she's like, what is this about? Like, why are you, why are all your friends calling you Harris? And she kind of like almost has to confess to her parents that she's like basically changed her name without telling them. And her mom sat her down and was like, you don't get to mess with the name that your father and I gave you. Like we spent months and months and months toiling over what we were going to name you as a baby. And that was the name that we chose for you. And you can't just shorten it or change it. And that's what I want you guys to walk away with tonight. In Ephesians, the truth about who God says we are is not something that you get to mess with. So whatever it is that you're bringing into the room tonight, whatever experience you may have had this semester or at some point in these four years on campus, um, whether it be something that you're ashamed of and you don't even really want to admit out loud and you're letting that define your identity, you actually don't have the final say over that. God does. So it sounds pretty great, obviously. You're like, sure, yeah, I would love to claim that. How do I go about doing that? So if you're thinking, how would I combat those lies? The first thing we want to do is look at Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. And we find Paul, who's addressing the church in Ephesus. And he's basically explaining the new identity that's given to a person when they find themselves in Christ. So according to Ephesians 1, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. So that means we've been chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, grace lavished, and unconditionally loved and accepted. We are pure, blameless, and forgiven. We've received the hope of spending eternity with God that cannot be taken from us, that cannot be shaken. And when we're in Christ, these aspects of our identity can never be altered by what we do. So just bring back to mind all those external circumstances we were talking about before. Who you are in Christ, all of those cannot affect that truth of who you are in him. It was written before the beginning of time because of what Christ did for us on the cross. He gets to say who you are so that when God looks at you tonight, he sees you through his son's eyes. Most times there's a gap that starts to exist between intellectually knowing these things and then living them out. And this can be affected um, by how we see ourselves. So like when we look in the mirror, what we see when we, we wake up in the morning or when we go to bed, um, our life experiences and the way we allow the world to define us. So on nights like this, it might be really easy to believe who God says that you are. And then tonight when you get in bed and you start scrolling on your phone and you're looking at Instagram and TikTok and all the things, I'm trying to be relevant by saying TikTok. I, I don't even know if that's applicable anymore. But when you're looking at all these images, basically these lies start to like creep in and remind you of what the world is telling you you should be, what you should put your identity in. 
And in order to live out the fullness of our identity in Christ, we have to determine what's hindering us from doing that, which is going to vary from person to person. So many times there's a lie that exists in our head that's wedged itself between how God defines us and seeing ourselves in the same light. So this is an example I'll give you. I have a personal experience of really struggling with anxiety. It was like a a big part of my 20s, around like 25, 26. It was a huge part of my life. It was a big struggle. And on the other side of it, a few years like down the line, when I noticed myself like telling people about my struggle with anxiety, I would start to use the phrase like, well, I'm just a really anxious person. And I honestly started to like speak and claim that over my life of like, I'm just really anxious, that's how I am. I'm just a really anxious person, or I've walked through anxiety in the past, or I've struggled with anxiety in the past. And what I was unknowingly doing was wedging that lie between me and how God saw me, and was allowing that to become greater than who he said I was in scripture, which is chosen, blameless, forgiven, loved, um, loved more than anything on this planet to the point where I would have nothing left to be anxious or worry about. And as those lies kept digging like deeper and deeper into my mind, it was harder and harder to claim my identity in Christ and believe I was who he said I was. And oftentimes you may think like, well, there have been decisions that have been made that can't be taken back. So therefore I must be seen as X, Y, or Z. Like those things cannot be changed. And I want you to know tonight, he restores all things. Like your identity in him, not only was it written before the beginning of time, but he also looks at you tonight and sees you as pure, blameless, forgiven, adopted, and deeply, deeply loved. So for example, um, of how a lie might get wedged in our head, The opposite of pure and blameless would be impure or stained or guilty. And a life experience can obviously cause you to feel impure. So you believe God would see you that way. And then you create and live out of this identity based on your actions, which is completely contrary to how God sees you. So in order to fight back against these false beliefs, we have to discover the exact belief that we're allowing to form our identity. And then we have to claim that truth. So... Basically, the way that we're going to do that, because we're not always going to feel forgiven or blameless, is that we have to wage a war against our flesh. So in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, it states, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. God has given us everything we need to demolish strongholds or false belief, and he empowers us to do so. If we chose to live this way, if we chose to live out of identity based on how God sees us, we would no longer feel the need to find our worth in these external circumstances. And so often we limit God. So uh, raise your hand if you have like a dresser in your bedroom back at your house or apartment. Pretty much all of us. We all use a dresser to organize our clothes. And I want you to think about your life here at Alabama as a dresser. So you probably have um, 
classes and studying in the library and all of those like late, late nights in one like massive bottom drawer. And then you have another drawer for all of your extracurricular activities. So like everything you're involved in, your sorority, if you're playing a sport, um, if you're involved in a campus ministry, whatever it may be. Then you have your friends. Then you have a relationship. Then you have um, travel or whatever it may be. And then we try to put God in this like tiny upper left-hand drawer of our dresser. And usually it's like the same size as our sock drawer. And you try to stuff religion into this drawer. So you would label it like as you are or going to Bible study or church or none of those things are bad things. We just try to take all of them and we limit God to just the areas of our life that we feel really comfortable with. But when he wants to reclaim and rewrite your identity over your life, he's going to need the entire dresser. Because all of those external circumstances that you're allowing to define who you are, what you look like, the self-hatred that you're speaking over yourself, the relationship that you desperately want to be in, being the like best, best friend to every girl in your circle, all of those things, he wants to speak into those areas of your life. And when you limit him to just that one drawer, he doesn't have the capacity to do so. And then becoming um, his daughter, his child, is not the very first thing in the list of things. It becomes like way down here. If we were able to surrender our entire lives, our, 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 our entire identities over to him, it would change everything. It would free us up to live in a confident and stable manner. It, um, we wouldn't change ourselves based on others. Uh, the internships we receive or don't receive, um, the other ways that people are constantly trying to define us by being uh, the funny one or the pretty one. It would give us the opportunity to experience God's unconditional love for us in new and fresh ways, and it would allow us to then confidently and boldly share his love for others. And it is a battle, right? You guys are up against it every single day, um, that you live in a world that seeks to define us and tell you who you are. How would believing the truth about your new identity in Christ change the way that you live tonight? If you were to say, I'm going to claim that before anything else, I am known and seen and fully loved by God. Before any, when I think of myself, the very first thing I think of would be that I am known and seen and loved by God, that I am his daughter and that he calls me his. You are really uniquely wired. And I think that that's something I didn't fully understand when I was 19. You are a force in this world that God has created and he has put you here for a purpose. And he knows all of those things, all of those external circumstances that you're allowing to define yourselves. And he wants to rewrite them for you. And that narrative is something that we get to own. Like I said, it's already set in scripture about who he says that you are, and you get to choose that. And the reason why you get to choose that is because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. So when Jesus came to live fully human, this side of heaven, he took on sin and took 
all the things that we're talking about, all the things that just bog us down and get in our way, um, jealousy, deceitfulness, all the things that we find ourselves trapped in day in and day out. He took all those things to the cross with him and he gave his life instead of ours so that when God looks at us, he can say, I see my fully loved, fully known, uh, fully chosen daughter of the most high king. Because when he looks at you, he sees Jesus first. And Jesus is saying to you tonight, I want that identity for you. The only thing I'm asking is that you put your hope and your trust in me. That's the only thing I'm asking. I want to give you freedom from whatever it is that is keeping you captive I want to take away all of these things that you are allowing to define or you're allowing um, to be defined by. I want to be the very first thing that you think of when you think about who you are. I want you to know that you are a unique work of art. You are a force for good in this world that I named you before your parents even named you. I know who you are. You are mine. You are beautiful. You are wonderful and perfectly made. I knit you together in your mother's womb. The God of the universe is saying that over each and every one of you tonight. And if you walked in here with something that is causing you to believe otherwise, I want you to identify it as a lie, cast it out, and claim this truth by saying, Jesus, I want you and only you. I want to know who you say I am. I want to open the book of Ephesians and I want to see those words adopted, blameless, forgiven, chosen. And I want to know deep down in my bones that that is who you say I am. And y'all, just to encourage you as another personal example, I am 33 years old, which is, you know, I keep telling myself it's pretty young, but it's starting to not feel that young. And my external circumstances right now look like all of my best friends, not all of them, but most of them, being married and having really young kids. So what the world would tell me is like, you are passed over. You are um, single later in life than most people are, especially in the South. Um, you're lonely or your circumstances look vastly different than all of your best friends, especially in social settings look. And I have to choose this narrative literally every single day. It is not easy. Like if I were to get on social media or honestly just like, you know, go to a wedding or make plans or whatever it may be, all of those lies are going to be bombarded back to me day in and day out. This is like a daily thing that I have to pick up and come back to Jesus and say, will you remind me who I am? Will you tell me who I am because I am loved by you? Because I claim that you are my Lord and Savior. This is like who I know to be deep down in my bones. And that truth that I have to remind myself of over and over and over again is the same truth um, that you can claim for yourselves. So um, in a second, uh, Emily is going to come back up um, and lead us in some more worship. And sometimes these talks, they're a lot to hear, like that, you know, you might be processing something in your mind right now. And you might just need to say something out loud. Like you might just need to tell someone a lie that you're believing to completely shape your identity that's like deep, deep down with inside you. It might be that you're just obsessing over your appearance this week, that you just like cannot get it out of your head that you have to look a certain way. Or it might be that you um, are going through a breakup and you don't know who you are without dating the guy that you've been seeing. Um, 
Or it might be that you are desperately thinking about changing your major and you're like hating your classes and you don't know what that would mean about who you are if you were to do that. I don't know what the example might be for you. If you have um, a trusted friend here tonight, I would just invite you to confess that lie um, to them and then ask them to pray with you and say, would you help remind me that my identity is in Christ and Christ alone, that before anything else, I am his beloved daughter. Would you guys bow your heads with me? Dear Lord, we confess that we just allow um, everything in this world to define who we are that our identities can just be shaped um, over and over again by external circumstances, Lord. And we um, just confess to you tonight that that is not the truth. That's not who you say we are. God, uh, we are chosen, uh, loved, forgiven, pure, blameless in your sight, and that is only because of what Jesus has done for us. God, we thank you for that simple but life-changing truth that when we place our trust in him, uh, we have the opportunity to be in relationship, deep relationship with you, Lord. God, I pray for the girl who is struggling to believe that, that her identity could be in Christ, that she thinks she's too far gone or she's made too many mistakes, uh, Lord. And we just know that's not the truth. So I ask, um, God, that you would just destroy those lies. Um, God, I pray for the girl who uh, is interested in a relationship with you, and she's not entirely sure what that even looks like, Lord. Would you just remind her that you see her? God, that you desperately want to know her, that you created her, you named her, uh, and you love her more than she could ever imagine. We thank you for this opportunity to worship together tonight. We thank you for what you're doing um, on the campus of Alabama. We thank you for these girls that, as you are in the Bible studies that you're leading. Uh, Lord, would you just continue to encourage these friends uh, in Christ? Would they um, just be reminded to spur one another on and encourage one another this week? As your sons name we pray, amen. I'm so glad y'all tuned in today. I think this message from Caroline is so important because where we place our identity has such an impact on how we live our lives and how we feel about ourselves. And I'm just praying for y'all this week that you will settle into God's love for you and your identity in Him.